So yeah, it's great to be with you guys tonight. Um, if you're visiting, we really welcome you and, and hope you really feel at home. Um, but you are coming in, in the back of something. We're kind of finishing something off tonight. Um, so if, if sort of what I'm talking about, um, I'm going to reference some stuff that we've been talking about over the last few weeks. We've been talking about freedom. This is our fourth week. Um, and if you're interested in any of it or you want to sort of hear more, we, we have a podcast and we put up our talks on the website so you can always sort of catch up and, and listen to stuff as well if you're interested. I'm just going to give you like a super fast recap of where we've come from. And then the sort of goal of tonight is kind of to sort of think what's next? Like how do we actually start to live this out and walk in this? So what we've said so far, right, is that, that freedom is really important. It's a, such a high value in our culture for all of us and it's such a high value to God, such a high value in the Bible. But Jesus says something really controversial and quite exclusive that he says freedom is only found in him. And he says who the son sets free is free. And he says if we follow him and live as his disciples, his apprentices, we know the truth and the truth will set us free. So freedom is in Jesus. But this freedom in following Jesus is not like this, we, don't ha- we don't live this life of following rules and having to do the right thing and living under law. But we actually, when we come and put our faith in Jesus, like Jordan said, God forgives us, he cleanses us, and he actually gives us a new heart. And now we're free to live and truly do what we want to by the Spirit from the new heart that we have. And then we said last week, well, what happens when we don't want to do the right thing? How how do we deal with that? And we talked about the freedom that we have is actually a freedom to love and choose to follow Jesus from a place of freedom. And we, we, we remind ourselves of that and we commit to that and we keep tapping into the true desire of our heart, which is Him. What I want to talk about today, though, is we've kind of been talking about freedom to, to do what we want from our new heart. But it's also true, right, that just wanting to do something doesn't necessarily mean that we're able to do it. Um, you probably know that. Like you might, you might have even felt that this week. You might have been realizing, actually, yeah, right, right, deep down, I want to follow God. I want to follow Jesus. I want to love this person that's difficult. I want to be forgiving. But when I go to do it, it's really hard. Um, you might even find that in other, other areas of your life. One area of my life where this has been true for a few years now um, is, is like five years ago or something, I had this awesome run for a month where I got up at 5 a.m. every day and... and I know that probably sounds terrible to some people, but like for, for me, like one of the main things in my life, if I get up early in the morning, it just makes everything else really good. It just puts me in a good mindset. I get lots done. It's awesome. And I just had this really like string of like a month when this was really good. And then for like the last few years, I just haven't been able to do it. And seriously, like for the last couple of years, every night I go to bed, I think tomorrow I'm getting up at five. And I set my alarm for five. I'm free to get up at five. I want to get up at five. But when it gets to five, I look more like this, and I just, I just can't do it. As much as I want to do it, I can't do it. That's a bit of an add to Tam as well for the dog that we should buy eventually, I think. Just sort of like subtle, subtle sort of promotion. Um, and, and you might find this as well. Like you can want to do something, but not necessarily have the ability to carry it out. This is sort of true in life, and it's, and it's true in, in our faith as well. You, you um, might know the story. Um, of the Apostle Peter, one of Jesus' apprentices, who was a fisherman that Jesus called to follow him. And Peter was a man who was just like all in. He, he, he wanted to be there with Jesus. He wanted to follow Jesus. He was, he was the one who wanted to walk on water with Jesus. He just, he just wanted to be there all the time. And towards the end of Jesus' life, he's, he's been doing all these amazing things and Peter's been following him. And then Jesus starts to talk about how he's going to be arrested 
and he's going to be beaten, and he's going to be crucified, and he's going to be killed. And Peter hears that. And Peter says, I will die with you. I will go with you. I want to be with you. I will go to death if I have to. And Jesus says to Peter, every one of you, my followers, are going to fall away. And Peter, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter says, no, I'm not going to do that. What he wants to do is be faithful to Jesus. And then the story goes on and they leave the, the, the meal in the, in the last supper that they were having and they go to the garden and Jesus is, is getting ready to be betrayed and he's praying and spending time with his father and Peter and some other of Jesus' followers are there and they're there wanting to support Jesus, wanting to be a friend and they're falling asleep. And Jesus comes and he diagnoses the problem and he says to them, the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak. They wanted to be with Jesus. They wanted to do this. But they didn't have the strength or the power. The story keeps going, and Jesus is arrested. And Peter, right, who's been following Jesus, and Jesus is the one who's taught that he's going to die. He's going to go to the cross. Jesus has taught that, that we, don't, we don't fight with swords. Jesus has taught that when someone attacks you, you don't fight back. You turn the other cheek. He, he, Jesus has taught all these things. But as soon as these soldiers come to arrest Jesus, Peter just does what he would naturally do, which for Peter was just get out a sword and cut off one of the guy's ears. Like that's, that's what he did. He wanted to follow Jesus, but when it got to the moment, that's how he responded. He didn't do what he wanted. Then he ran away. All the disciples disowned Jesus. But Peter had the strength, at least, more than some of the others, to actually force himself to go. And he was watching Jesus when he was being beaten, when he was being accused. Peter had this control over his legs, almost, to be able to go and be there. But he didn't have control over his mouth. He wanted to be faithful to Jesus, but people asked him, uh, do you know this guy, Jesus? And Peter would say, no. And they'd keep pressing him. And he got to the point where he started swearing and cursing that he didn't know Jesus. And then the story goes, the rooster crowed, and Peter realized what he'd done. He wanted to be faithful to Jesus. He wanted to go to death with him, but he didn't have the power to do what he wants. Freedom is not just being free to choose, but actually being able to carry out the choice and do what we truly want to do in this new heart. What we're going to talk about today is how do we grow in that ability how do we grow in the ability so that we don't just respond to things the way we don't want to, but how we actually want to as followers of Jesus? And we're going to talk about this idea of flesh and spirit that Jesus talked about in the garden. He talked about the spirit is willing and the flesh is weak. We're going to look at a passage particularly from the book of Galatians. And um, there's kind of different, people say different things about how to understand what the flesh is and how the spirit works. And I just want to give you my understanding of this as we go through and teach through this passage. So basically, as I read through this, what I want you to think about when you, when you hear the word flesh is, is basically that, like the physical world, right? That we are flesh, we are, we are physical, we are, we are human. And flesh is kind of limited life to the life that's created, the life that God has us, limiting things to life, doing our things in our own strength, in our own power, in, in our own thinking, is kind of flesh. Where spirit is where God is. And spirit is, is, is the, 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 the life of God. Right, the power of the Holy Spirit, the presence of God. And we've talked about that. When we come to Jesus, we, he actually puts his spirit in our heart, and we're now connected to him. So flesh is basically like life disconnected from God, human life apart from God, and flesh is life in the spirit, living in the reality of the kingdom of God. So this is what Galatians says in chapter 5. 
So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. This is this idea, right, that before we were Christians, right, we were just flesh in the sense of we lived apart from God. We weren't connected to God. We just lived in our own strength. We lived in the ways of the world. And the world really lives apart from God. The world operates without God. That it's just up to us. We have to look after ourselves. We have to make life work. We have to provide for ourselves. That's how life works. That's what we get trained in. But that life, right, is actually, actually opposed to God. Right? Before we've come to trust in Jesus, we're actually not in right relationship with God. We're kind of in conflict with God. And he loves us and he wants us to trust him and, and receive his forgiveness. But if we're not doing that, there's like a conflict there. But once we do that, once we believe in Jesus, that conflict is gone and now there's a new conflict. And the new conflict is the conflict of the flesh in ourselves and the spirit because now we have the Holy Spirit in us. This is how one writer described it. It's a bit wordy, but I'll just read it and I'll explain it to you afterwards. He says this, But the problem of reconciliation, so shifts, so it's not us and God, there's not a conflict between us and God, but it shifts to those two components the New Testament refers to as the flesh and the spirit. How, after conversion, our will and conscious intent are for God the spiritual. This is sort of saying, right, after we've had a new heart, our will, like our intent, is for God, that we want to follow God. But the layer upon layer of life experience that is embedded in our bodies as living organisms, born and bred in a world set against God or without God, doesn't directly and immediately follow the shift in our conscious will. It largely retains the tendencies in which it has lived for so long. That's a bit wordy, but basically what this is saying, right, is that we have been given a new heart that wants to follow God, but it doesn't just like naturally just zap us so that all our habits, all the ways we've been trained in, all our patterns of thinking that are, that are just, been, we've been trained in by the world to look after ourselves, to make life work, that we, 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 we do the things that people do to make life work apart from God. We've got habits, we've got mindsets, we've got thinking patterns, and our body actually like retains them. Do you know like your body actually learns things and your mind learns things in habits? Like when, if, if you, if you drive, drive a car, if you learn to drive a car right, when you first learned, you had to really think about it. You had to, you had to really concentrate. But then over time, you, you learn how to do it, and you do it without even thinking. And sometimes it's really freaky, right? Because you sort of get somewhere, and you're like, hey, did I just drive here? Like, like it's just, it just happens so naturally. And this is like the flesh, right? Like, we have been trained our whole life to do things certain ways, with certain habits or certain mindsets, and our body learns that, so it just responds that way. And in Peter's case, right, his response was, here's a guard coming to arrest someone, get a sword and slice the ear off. Like, that's the natural thing that he did. He didn't have to think about that, right? It just kind of happened. And this is, this is this idea of the flesh, that we have been given a new heart, but we still have these ways and habits and routines that we live by that need to be changed. Now, this is important because this way of living, apart from God, leads to all kinds of difficulties because we are made by him and we're made to be connected to him. So life apart from him, trying to make life work apart from him, really what sin is, leads to all kinds of difficulties. This is what Paul says in Galatians. The acts of the flesh, so the results of living without God are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, 
idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I warned you before, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's a pretty full-on list of things, right? And he's saying that living a mindset just in the flesh, just the physical, without the spirit, leads to these kind of things. However, a life that is lived resting and connected to the spirit Growing in dependence on the Spirit produces fruit, and this is the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, forbearance or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. So Paul's point, right, is that living, living according to the flesh leads to all these terrible things, but a life that is connected and dwelt and resting in the Spirit produces fruit. Jesus said a similar thing to this. This is what Jesus said in John. He used this metaphor of a vine. He said, I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And, and do you see what Jesus is saying, right? Like human life apart from God can do nothing. It, we, we cannot produce the things that we need, the things that we want, because life only works connected to God. This is what Jesus is saying, that apart from our, him, we can do nothing. Like just our physical abilities, our trying, our effort won't work. It's this picture, right, of fruit. So, and sometimes even that passage that I was just reading like gets, gets misinterpreted. Like it gets taught that we, we should work hard at being loving and we should work hard at being joyful and we should work hard at being patient and we should work hard at, being, at having self-control. But that's not what the passage says. The passage says that that's the fruit of a life connected and resting and dwelling in God. If you think of a fruit tree, right, you think of these grapes. They didn't get there by trying really hard. Like the grapes aren't like, come on, just, just bud, like, let's go. Like they don't, they don't have to do that. They don't have to think really hard. They don't have to concentrate really hard. Like the branch just stays connected to the vine and the life from the vine grows the branch and produces fruit. And it's this natural thing that happens over time and growth and life. This is, this is what this life in the spirit looks like. So it's not, it's not this like trying really hard. In fact, the commands from those passages, the, these are what they are. These are the things that we are to do. Remain, abide in me, that's in Jesus. Walk by the spirit. Keep in step with the spirit. So that our life now is the focus of it is here. Before God, the focus of it was here. Just me, I've got to make life work. Now the focus of it is Jesus is the Lord. Jesus is my Savior. I have his spirit. My focus now is on being with him, trusting him, resting in him, depending upon him, staying connected to him. And as that happens, his life grows and produces fruit in us. Now, part of this, though, right, is actually putting this way of life, this life apart from God, to death, that we don't live that way anymore. This is what Paul says. He says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. 
Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other, right? This is the idea that, that, that he's saying we have crucified the flesh. Like, this is not the way to live anymore. And it's like, it's such extreme language, right? That, that that's, we don't live according to the flesh, just according to physical things, those desires. But we bring those desires in line with God and the Spirit. And then the flesh then works well, right? The issue is not that the flesh is so evil. The issue is that when, when that's what dominates and controls us rather than the spirit dominating and controlling us. But this is this ongoing process of growth in this way. Mark says, says it like this. This is a warning that though free from sin, the flesh must still be continually crucified. The flesh being any mindset, action, and attitude that is not led by the Spirit. So the goal now, right, is to not live according to the flesh, but bring our whole body, our whole self, our mind, our will, our emotions, everything in line with God so that we can actually do what we want to do. So when when our heart and our spirit, we want to serve and want to love, our flesh is now submitted and we can do it. We can actually follow, that we don't have have to fight this war. This is what happened to Peter, right? Like he, he wanted to follow Jesus. He wanted to be faithful, but he didn't have the strength or the power. But after that, Jesus dies on the cross and he's risen again. And Jesus meets him and he sees him and he realizes who he is and the power right, of the spirit that he realizes that Jesus is the son of God. He's not just a man. He's, he, he, I mean, Peter knew that, but he sees like the, the power of that. And then he, he spends time with Jesus and Jesus reinstates Peter and says to, to follow him and to lead and to, and to feed his sheep. Jesus loves him and forgives him and welcomes him back. And Peter spends time with Jesus and he starts to realize that this is not a physical kingdom that they're building, that they don't have to fight with swords to build this kingdom, that they're not trying to take over the Romans, that they're actually doing this by the power of the Spirit. It's a spiritual kingdom. It's the kingdom of heaven that has come. And then Peter realizes that they are to wait for the power of the Spirit. And at the start of the book of Acts, you see a very different Peter. Someone now who's ready and waiting and the Holy Spirit is given and he stands up and speaks to the people that crucified Jesus and he speaks and pronounces that Jesus has been risen and people believe and thousands of people come and put their faith in Jesus and you see a very different Peter now. A Peter that wants to follow Jesus and actually can, that he has the power because he's not living according to the flesh anymore in his own strength. He's living this life of dependence and faith in the Spirit. And, and you see in the New Testament, he's not perfect, that he's, he still falls, but is a very different life, this life filled with the Spirit. So that's kind of like the concept I wanted to get across to you guys tonight, right, of flesh and spirit. And, and the focus now is growing and living and bringing everything into submission here. Now we want to just talk about, well, how do we do that? Like, what, what are some things that we can think of to grow in that ability? Because the, the idea is to rest and to dwell, but how can we get better at that? So I want to give you two things to help us in growing and living in the Spirit tonight. This is the first one, and, and just, just sort of track with me, because this might sound, um, you might sort of switch off when you see this, like, oh, this doesn't sound very good. So spiritual disciplines, practices, and habits. These are some things, right, that, that have often been... Um, really important in the life of Christians and believers throughout the centuries. But kind of recently, in recent years, these kind of just have a real negative rap, right? That the idea of 
like people have sort of preached these things wrongly, saying, saying like you should pray, you should read your Bible, you should go to church, and just again, it becomes like a law. But what I want to present to you is a different understanding, a different way of thinking about these things. To actually think of them like the gym, all right? Um, when you go to the gym, you go there not because you want to get weights to go up in the air, right? Like, the point is not to lift weights so that the weights can be lifted. The weights don't need to be lifted. Like, it doesn't matter. What, the reason you go to the gym is to grow strength. But this, right, is in this realm. This is in the realm of the flesh, right? If you want to grow physical strength, the thing you need to do is, is exercise, is, is lift weights, is run, is do things. If you don't want to, then you don't need to do those things. But if you want to, then that's the way to grow in these things. There's actually practices and exercise. And the point is not the practice of the exercise. The point is growing in strength. There's also, though, practices and things that we can do to grow in spiritual strength. And there's a passage in the book of Timothy where Paul says, like, growing in physical strength is good, but growing in godliness, growing in spiritual strength is much better. That lasts much more. Again, the spirit, like living a life by the spirit is going to be much better than by the flesh. And this is the idea, right, of that there's some practices or exercises that we can actually do, or habits that we can do. And what these do is enable us to bring our whole body, uh, our, our physical life, into submission with the Spirit and enable us to live more of a life of dependence and rest and trust in God. So I don't want to spend long on these, but these are just like some examples. And again, this is not at all like a guilt trip. This is not at all like this is, you should be reading your Bible. Like that's, this is not at all what this is. These are like tools that we can use to help us grow in this spiritual walk of dependence and rest. The first two up there, like silence and solitude. There's something actually about just being alone and, and just being present and just being quiet that can actually align us with God. That the busyness of the world, the busyness of life, our thoughts, just stopping and being present can sometimes be really hard to do but can just sort of lower that stress, lower that intensity and, and, and aliven us again to God. And a life of doing that can grow this a life of rest and peace in God. Prayer and just talking to God and being with him, again, grows this life of the spirit and being aware of his presence. Fasting, again, it sounds like this thing that, that, that's like pointless, right? Like, like just not eating food, how would that do anything? Like, like if you've ever done fasting before, like you don't, you don't eat and then you just feel weak and you just you can't even, you try and pray and you can't even pray because you're so hungry and you can't think and it's just and it's just difficult. But as we learn it, as we grow in it, we learn to trust God and it's actually a place of allowing our flesh, our body, our life to submit and dwell and rest in God. As well, reading scripture, renewing our mind through God, being in community with others, Sabbath, and this is this idea of just rest again. That that stopping work. Resting, again, can align our soul with God's simple living, bringing our, line, our lives into alignment with this life in the Spirit. These are all things that Jesus did that, that characterized his life, right? That he lived with people, that he was at parties, he would do amazing ministry, and then he would go and be alone with his Father. His disciples would go and do all sorts of amazing work, and there were so many demands on them, but they would come back. They wouldn't just go straight to the next thing. They would come away, and they would rest, 
and they'd have some time to restore their lives and their souls. Do you know what's so interesting as well? I was read, I've been reading and, and, and learning a lot more about this stuff. And Jesus, right, went, uh, when he was tempted, he went to the wilderness. And he was there for, for 40 days alone in the desert. And he fasted for 40 days. And at the end of that time is when Satan came and tempted him. And I've always read that passage, maybe you have too, as Jesus was like put in this situation that's just like the worst situation to be in. Like he was alone for so long, he was fasting, he would be hungry, he'd be tired, he'd be weak, and then at like his weakest, he is tempted. Like it just shows it's like the worst situation. What I've been reading though, one guy who, under, who talks about the, the, the power of these disciplines actually said it's exactly the opposite. That actually... The wilderness is the place of spiritual strength, physical weakness, but spiritual strength. Jesus being alone in the wilderness, fasting, depending on his Father, actually put him in his strongest place to resist the temptations of Satan, because he would be in this place of dependence and rest and living by the Spirit, that these exercises can actually grow us in our ability to do that. So that's, the, that's like one, one of the first ways, and, and, and we'll sort of just leave it at that, and we can talk about that another time some more. The second way to help grow in the life of the Spirit is actually just simply through trials and difficulty and hardship. All of us, right, we sort of live life and things become difficult, right? We will eventually face difficulties, hardship, trial, and pain. And, and I think particularly, right, for, for us today, in some ways, we are, we are sort of taught or told either by movies or by like the media or just sort of just, just by our outlook on life that this is not meant to be the case, right? That life is meant to be easy, that things are meant to be good, if things are just, we're just meant to be comfortable, things are just supposed to go well, things are not supposed to go bad, there should just be always good things all the time, and it's just not true, right? It's just a lie. And the flesh, living life by the flesh, if things go wrong, if we face hardship, trials, difficulty, that's just disastrous. That, that's the only strength we have is ourselves, and if we lose our strength, we have nothing. We, we have no hope. There's no power. But when we're living in life in the spirit, facing trials and difficulties and hardships, as terrible as they are, are actually opportunities to grow in further dependence and rest on the spirit, which actually produces more intimacy with God and more fruit in life. That actually, this, the, the, although suffering is terrible and problems are terrible, they can actually be opportunities to grow in putting the flesh to death and growing in this life of the Spirit. You probably know people who this is true for. Maybe it's even true for yourself that, that there's times when you face really hard times, but they've actually allowed you to grow really close to God, that he's been present and you've been dependent on him. I have a pastor. I had a pastor who, who was at Rosalie Baptist, and he was an amazing guy and just loved God and just fun, happy guy. And one time he just collapsed and, and he was diagnosed with leukemia and, and he, he got quite sick. And, and his family like freaked out like, like they would, right? But he was kind of okay. He, he was like, I believe the gospel. Like, I believe God. It's okay. 
And, and this season that he went through, right, as terrible as it was, actually grew him in this dependence and intimacy with God in such an amazing way. And we were at Bible college together, and one time at chapel, he got up in front of everybody, and he talked about this. He talked about how he is closer to God than he's ever been before because of this. And he said in front of everyone, I thank God for my leukemia. And he's not, he's, not, he's not saying he loves leukemia or anything, but he's saying that God, that what God has done in my life through this and the way that God has worked through this, I'm so thankful to him. And that, that does not make any sense, right, to the flesh, to life without God. That, is, that, is, that makes no sense at all. But life in the Spirit, trials, difficulties, hardships are actually opportunities to grow, know God in greater intimacy than ever before to produce more fruit. Although it's this place of weakness and terrible suffering that God works through it with power. And man, we even see that tonight with Josh, right? Like seeing you worship tonight, it's just awesome. Like it's so powerful and it glorifies God so much. Like it's just, it's just amazing that, 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 that this is actually, the spirit comes alive through that. This is what the Apostle Paul said as well, he had this difficulty that he wanted getting rid of, but Jesus said to him, my grace, Jesus' power, the power of the Spirit, is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And then Paul, right, gets this. He gets that this is actually means freedom from everything, right? If, if things are good, that's good, and if things are bad, that's good in the spirit, that things can actually grow in the spirit. Paul gets that. Therefore, he says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I'm content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. That is like a place of amazing freedom, right? That even in the hardships and the trials of life, there's opportunities to grow in this dependence, in this intimacy that produces fruit, that produces this life that cannot be touched by anything in this world, which is so amazing. So that, that's kind of like where, where I want to leave you guys as we sort of finish up. But I want to give you some like just takeaway things to try and actually work this out. Because this, this, is, this is more than just believing, right? This, this is actually something that we need to do. This is something that we need to grow in. This is about building habits and a life of walking by the Spirit. So I want to give you just three things to sort of take away and think through and practice to start with this. The first one is this idea of practicing the presence of God. You might have read or you might have heard there's, there's a book called The Practice of the Presence of God and it was written by a monk in like the 15th century or something and, and he lived in a monastery but he was the guy who washed the dishes. So he had like a really just normal job, right? And what he did was he would constantly draw his attention to God and he devoted his life to this thing he called The Practice of the Presence of God which is just saying, God, you're here. I, I give myself to you. I love you. And just lived life with God. And, and he developed this thing, this idea, like, like one guy I was listening to talked about this idea of being two places at once all the time, that everything we're doing, you get up in the morning and you have your, your cereal for breakfast and you're in the presence of God. And then you go and you're driving to work in the traffic in the, like the busy hour of the day and you're in the presence of God. And, and you're busy at work, you're busy at uni and you're with God. And this, this, this guy, Brother Lawrence, he said in one quote that, that he, he grew in this practice so that for him, being like in the most like powerful service or part of his sort of religious life, like at church, in God's presence, that, that moment was no different to like the busiest time of his week 
and in his office, when people demand his attention, in his office, he was in the kitchen, like in his kitchen, like he, he with all the like hungry monks, like he was, he was there and, and he was in God's presence and he grew in this way. And if you're interested in that, that book is like free to download and, and read online, like it's quite old, you just Google practicing the presence of God. This is the other one, like with those disciplines or habits or practices, if that's fairly new and you're looking for a place to start, this is perhaps a place to start, is to simply find some time for solitude. This just means being alone. It's being by yourself. And for some of us, that's like really hard, right? You might have a crazy busy life. Like you might just have so much demand on your time that even just 10 minutes alone is so hard. But if you can find that at even and, and start a practice of spending some time just alone and just sitting with God, and not even necessarily praying or reading the Bible, but just, just being and, and just realizing that God is here, that God is present, the Spirit is here, and that, that this is the way to live life, just dependent on the Spirit. So, so to just take that away, maybe, maybe find some time for solitude, even to, re- to retreat, to go away, just to spend time alone with God. And lastly, take away difficult situations in your life that you, maybe you're facing now or as you face like, like the flesh, right, just wants to avoid. If there's difficulty, we just want to fix it. We just want to get rid of it. We just want to be comfortable. We just want to make life work. Instead, flip that and see them as opportunities to grow in the spirit, opportunities for God to work, to grow in dependence so that we can truly do what we want, have the ability to actually live it out and put it into practice. So they're just some takeaways to leave you with for freedom in the spirit. So I'm just going to pray and then then we'll sing to finish off. Father, thank you so much that you have freedom for us. And Father, I just thank you that you are here right now with us. Like Josh sung, like that we are not forgotten, that the God who created the universe and spoke the stars into space, that you are here. Jesus, you are here. Your presence, your spirit is here. And God, would you just make us more aware of you? Would you grow us in a life that is lived in the spirit, not in the flesh, a life that overcomes, a life that has power through difficulty and challenge? And Father, I just particularly pray, Lord, for those today here right now that are really in a really difficult time, God, where there's just weakness and, 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 and struggle and, and pain, God, I just pray that that situation, God, will be reframed, will be an opportunity to grow and know you more than ever, to, to know you in, in such intimacy and depth that just wouldn't be possible otherwise, God. I just pray, God, for, for that freedom then that brings meaning to the pain, meaning to the suffering, meaning to the difficulty, that just brings freedom from circumstance, that just brings life. And we just pray, God, that we'd be a community of the Spirit. So I pray that you'd move here in this place, God, and bring freedom in your name, Jesus. Amen. We're just going to sing. And, and if you want prayer for anything, please come down and we'd be happy to pray for you as well.